Hey y'all, it's MJ. And it's Tay. And welcome to Cultured or Whatever, where where safe spaces meet real combos. So on today's episode, we are, are we are gonna be talking about the very the very controversial topic of the angry black woman stereotype. Mm. So very controversial, very controversial, but one of my favorite topics to talk about. Because there is so much to unpack mm-hmm. with that topic. I don't know where to begin with this. I've been in a lot of different workspaces and arenas where I have, I will honestly say I have grown in this particular area. I have learned how to navigate in this particular area, but I don't feel like I 100% agree that I had to learn how to navigate in this particular area. Um, First and foremost, um, I remember meeting my husband. Um, We met at work. And I remember him saying to me, and it still bothers me to this day, because I'm like, what the F do you mean by that? But Mm he... Told me a long time ago when we first met that he's like, you know, babe, everybody can't take you. And I'm like, what you mean? Right. Like, <laughs> what you mean everybody can't take me? I'm I'm not for everybody to be taking take right. you, you know? <laughs> and I made a joke of it before, but then, like, I found myself, once I got into, like, my true professional career, realizing what he meant by that. I was faced with multiple situations um, in my mid to late 20s to my to majority of my 30s where I had to shift and pivot how I approached people um, because I was looked upon as difficult. Mm. I was looked upon as angry. I was looked upon as, even though the word unprofessional wasn't used, it was just like, I don't want to say I was looked upon as messy, but I feel like because of the way I came off, I could be labeled as messy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why this topic is very um, touchy for me because all I was doing was advocating for myself. Right. Um, All I was doing was speaking up in rooms that I felt like nobody voiced Sounded like my, you know, asking asking the questions that need to be asked. Exactly, because everybody cool when I ask the questions. Everybody cool when I go off, mm-hmm. but nobody's cool when the repercussions come around. Or, you know, we get in this habit of, um, like they taught us back in the day, children or women is to be seen and not heard. And I feel like that has Shoot. a lot to do with society's. Uh, perception that women should be in a woman's space we need to be dainty and we need to be calm and we need to be the nurturers and when we react with passion then we can't be nothing less than angry mm-hmm. um when me and mj was coming up with this topic the main thing that came to mind was when Serena was competing in the tournament. Please don't ask me which one because um, <laughs> I don't know tennis. I just remember, you know, seeing her get very 
upset and her actions is something that you know our our uh white men that was dictating the tournament felt the need to point out how angry she was and how she was acting out but yet we have white males or even black male athletes that act out Heck, we had we had somebody, I forgot the bull, but we had somebody run off the field in the middle of the game. Oh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Antonio, mm-hmm. And um, he didn't get, he got backlash, but he didn't get as much backlash as Serena got just for being, you know, passionate. And I guess the question on the table is, like, why do we have to dumb down our emotions to make everybody else comfortable? I feel like it comes from way, way, way back in the day. I'm talking about slavery, mm-hmm, slavery times mm-hmm. where black black women, we weren't seen as anything other than like ornamental. Mm. Even when it came to black men. Mm-hmm. So when it came to hearing what we got to say, we, we were seeing nothing as like a tool used for breeding. Mm-hmm. Or a tool used for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us to all of a sudden have a have a voice, mm-hmm. it's just such a foreign concept even to this day. Mm-hmm. So 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 there are these stereotypes that come out that are supposed to, you know, um, what's the word? What's the word? Prevent us from mm-hmm. from even wanting to speak up. Mm-hmm. Like 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 the angry black woman stereotype. When mm-hmm. we speak up and we when, when we are passionate about something, we get called the angry black woman. We get called aggressive, which mm-hmm. is my least favorite term. Mm-hmm. At least at least when at least when being used in reference to my emotions. Yeah. Because is it aggressive overall? Is my behavior aggressive overall, or is it just aggressive when I'm the one who's exhibiting the emotion? That part, because I'm be honest when um when Rebecca or Sally says something, Katie, my favorite one is <laughs> You know she they can say the same thing we say, and it's like oh no, don't be upset. What can we do to make you feel better? Or they are labeled as sassy. Yeah, I've heard sassy. I've heard sassy I've a heard few sassy. times in reference to them. I've heard sassy. I've even heard um misunderstood mm-hmm. it was just a misunderstanding which implies she was having a difficult day which implies that they're gonna give her grace exactly here we go come come through with the word grace because mm-hmm. you know that implies uh, they're gonna give her grace but we however we get burned at the stake exactly we get automatically labeled as difficult to work with or um being told how we feel about a situation when we are verbally and articulately telling you what the issue is. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, 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 MJ. No, you're not. You're not disappointed. You're angry because so on and so forth. No, no, that's not what I said. I just told you why. It's not what I I said. I told you why I felt the way I felt. Exactly. And And I named it. I told you that I was upset, that I was disappointed, that I am sad, mm-hmm. that I am perturbed. Oh, that's a good word, when I am girl. Un- when I am uncomfortable. Mm. 
even when we name it for you and we name it and we explain it so well that you don't even have to do too much thinking when we do so. And you still fix your lips to come out and tell us, no, you don't feel that way. You feel this. Is that what I said? Listen, I I think it goes back to just like when I think over history and I think over like the opportunities that black women were afforded. I mean, look, we we were the last (laughs) to be given the right to vote. The last. Mm -hmm. The last. We helped white women on their path. Walk with them in the women's suffrage. Mm-hmm. And we were denied. We were silenced. I like that word better. Silenced. Yeah. And we're silenced over and over again. And I just like... I teach my daughter to to really advocate for herself. In any room, in any space. I think what makes it more uncomfortable is when you are in spaces with fellow black women and maybe one or two white women who are probably the head um and you're not given that permission to verbalize how you feel mm-hmm and to be honest, I've been in arenas, not not that I experienced it myself, where I have witnessed black women of authority pretty much chin-checking and using that term, well, girl, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't be like that. You, you giving, you giving off very angry black women. Why are we saying that to each other? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. at what point do we get in these spaces and we our authentic selves there. I personally, and people may not agree with me, but I personally don't feel like there is ever a space and a time or opportunity where we should have to dumb ourselves down. We should have to silence ourselves in hopes that we don't get fired or in hopes that we don't, um, become reprimanded or in hopes that we don't, um, lose anything that we're trying to gain at the moment just to make people feel comfortable. Mm, I I agree, but I have done that before. Mm -hmm. I have been in situations where I have either bit my tongue Mm -hmm. or performed the code switch Mm -hmm. to, in order to, to get further Mm. just because I am in a space now where I am trying to build I'm trying. I'm trying to build a life mm-hmm. and generational wealth, as they as they say, mm-hmm. for my family to where as though I am. I'm okay in certain situations mm-hmm. with with doing that, with making the sacrifices, mm-hmm. biting my tongue, you know, waiting for my moment. Because mm-hmm. as, as my mom always always tells me, life is chess, not checkers. Listen, speaking of chess, because I'm I'm listening to you. <laughs> And I am, I'm hearing you. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, I I agree with you. However, because I got a little bit more years on you, so oh, you know, yeah. I have learned to yes, 
There is a time and a place for everything. But when it comes to that that chess, uh, and for the for the people out there, CYA all day. Okay. Cause guess what? Guess what cannot be come across as angry? Something written in black and white. And I see why every day. And for people who don't know what I mean by see why, you you cover your ass. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and and just a reminder to people out there, um, MJ is in the education field. I am in the social work and therapy field. When it comes to to being in a helping profession field where you your sole job is to advocate for another human being, there is no room to sacrifice your words. You have to, this is where your voice is more prominent. Yes, And to get back to what I was saying to you, like, you know, I had to learn how to maneuver. Yes. I had to learn how to take a step back and not respond to be reactive, but respond so that it is for the betterment of the person that I'm responding on behalf of. Because a lot of times growing up, you are in situations, as black women, you are in situations where you don't feel heard and you are defending yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn eventually how to move like you a, a piece on that, like you the queen on that chessboard. You have to see situations before they even happen. For instance, uh, just working in the education field, many times as a social worker or counselor or child advocate, um, we run up against systems like IEPs and referrals. Girls? <laughs> because, and you, know, you know, special education is my listen, passion. <laughs> listen, and for those who don't know what IEPs are, it's pretty much a be, it's pretty much an individualized plan for a child or somebody in which that we see that the child is struggling, whether it be academically or behaviorally. And with this plan, this would identify your child in what we call under special education. Mm-hmm. Now, special education has changed over the years from when we was in school. It actually has its benefits. Yeah, in in more ways than one. If you if you are ever if you are a parent or anything that, that that is hesitant about special education, you don't want your child to to be labeled or anything. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does, but take whatever support is needed. Is needed. However, on that note, make sure you have somebody that will advocate for you and your child in such a way that they know what your child needs. Mm -hmm. So again, as my role over the years, I have found myself fighting against systems that wanted to label students that did not qualify or meet requirements. Um, And I was put in situations where it was like, oh, you you're just too, you're too involved in this. No, no, no. You need me to sign off on the paperwork. So right. let me explain to you <laughs> why Billy doesn't need this. Mm-hmm. Why Billy needs X, Y, and Z instead of this. And I will say, I've had parents that was very thankful that I was able to advocate for their child. But again, it goes back to CYA. If you come into the table with all professional and leaving the person at home, and you have data and information to back it up, guess what? 
it doesn't matter if people labeled you the, the big purple monster. Mm-hmm. What you're never going to do is sit up here and say that I'm being aggressive, that I am, you know, expressing anger because I am proving professionally that due to my research and my results that this is what it needs to be. And on that note, I see where people can be very offended by you you having your shit together mm-hmm. because it makes them look bad. And that's where I think angry black women comes from because many times we are put in a position where we have to advocate and we have to speak up and we have to have a voice for those who lack the voice. And instead of looking at it as, oh, you're bringing me very important information, now I have to defame your character mm-hmm. because you making me look bad. Anybody out there saying, oh, you you an angry white man? You an angry Hispanic man? You an angry uh, Chinese woman? Ain't nobody saying none of that. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Everybody in this world can be passionate about things except for the black woman. And it trickles over into our relationships. I have literally heard men time and time again. And I I am all for people dating who they want to date. Mm-hmm. I don't care if the girl purple. If she make you happy, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and purple is my favorite color, so y'all will always hear me free, uh, reference that. Um, but what I can't do is when men have said, oh, I don't date black women because they are angry. That boils my freaking skin. No, it used to. It, you, it, it used to make my skin crawl, and I'm just looking at like, okay. Because honestly, any person that thinks like that, to be honest, it's coming from a, from a place of like jealousy and envy mm. because you wanted that love from a black woman, mm. but you didn't receive the love in the way that you thought you deserved. Mm. So now you mad, mm, big mad, and you have labeled all black women as as angry mm-hmm. or or they're or they're this and they're that, or you have or you have turned. Well, you have turned it around and said, I only date white women mm. because they're easier to deal with. Listen. And f- from what I found, most most men that, that only deal with white women, most black women, mm. black men that only deal with white women, they are they are doing it and have framed it in a way to where it's, it's kind of like they're they're like twisting the knife in black women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, look, look at me with, look at me with, with this white woman. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I think that's where it makes my skin boil because it's like, it doesn't bother me. But if you want to do what you want to do, then you do that. But mm-hmm. as, as one of our black kings, don't you now spew poison on our name because you chose to do what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. First off, guess what? We don't care. Let's start right. there. Nobody cares. Right. No, <laughs> nobody cares. So do, do what you're going to do. Exactly. So the fact that you felt the need to use that as an excuse, like that's bullcrap. Why are you mentioning us at all when it, <sighs> when it comes to your relationship? 
Why are you speaking on us at all? Nobody says. Do what you're going to do. And how, and, from, and from a woman's point of view, mm-hmm. how dare you in that way saying, labeling a white woman as easy to do as easy to deal with. That part. If I if I was your woman who was white, I, I would be like, I'll, I'll bop you upside the head. <laughs> like, who you like? Who, who you talking to like that? I'm easy. What? 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 what you walk mm-hmm. all over me? Mm-hmm. 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 Or you don't want to deal with me? Deal with me because because you actually love me and care about me. You only mm-hmm. want to want to deal with me because I'm easy to deal with. Exactly. No, I'm nah, not we're not doing that, bro. <laughs> but then I guess that takes me to our our next point of this conversation. Um, when we think about like black women and the thought of them living in masculinity, mm-hmm. um, I am. Hmm. It's so much to that 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 right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think historically. Black women have been put in positions where they had to be the sole provider, sole nurturer, sole doctor, sole everything Mm -hmm. to their family, even dating back to to slavery. Uh, A lot of black women had to take on this role of taking care of their family when our black men was being taken away. Yep. More recently, let's just look at in the eighties, the crack epidemic. Our black families were the one that was, uh, affected the most by it. Our black men, our fathers, our brothers, Brothers, sons, they were swept out of here. For making a way out of no way. No, I am not condoning drug dealing. I'm just saying. You know, they were taken away. Left with our black moms to raise. And and let's be serious. In the 80s, it wasn't just, oh, you got one or two kids. Oh, yeah. We we leave in villages at this point. We're Mm -hmm. leaving projects and projects of families alone where it's one mom and like five to six kids and there there have been a lot of a lot of things in history that have tried to that have diminished the black the black households mm-hmm. and fractured black families but one thing that, that has always remained the same in most cases mm-hmm. the black woman has been left to pick up the pieces pick up all the pieces so how dare you try to diminish a black woman and saying she's too masculine when society in her own family has never created a space for her to feel safe in. And for, and for me, it goes back to the point, how dare you ask her to be heaven and you have created nothing but hell for her. Listen, if you, if you want her to act as if she, she is in a safe space, well then create that safe space. Cause I like we and me, me, me and my partner, we just talked about this last night. Because I realized that I have that I haven't checked in with him, mm-hmm. like mentally. I said, "How are you?" He was like, "I'm good." I said, "No, like, how are you? How mm-hmm. are you, like, mentally?" Mm-hmm. He was like, "I'm feeling drained and I'm feeling tired." I said, "Okay, well, why are you feeling like that?" 
He said, just from work. Mm-hmm. I said, do you, do you think it's the it's the industry itself? Because he also works in education. He said, well, I, I said, or is it like the day-to-day, mm-hmm. like hustle and bustle of everything? He said day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, how can, what can I do to better, to, mm-hmm. to, to better help with that? Mm-hmm. He said, just keep being you. Mm. And that and that has been the theme of our relationship, mm. because I came into I came into the relationship like really hard and everything, yeah, yeah. pretty much saying, well, I don't need you around, mm-hmm. and that's my thing. I don't need you. I don't need you. And and we actually had a conversation about this one day. He sat me down. It was like he said, I don't like how you talk to me. Mm. He said, it doesn't make me, well, not exact words, because I can't remember the exact words of the conversation. But in a way, it was along the lines of, I don't understand why you feel the need to say that to Mm. me. I know you don't need me. I know that. Mm -hmm. But whenever you get upset or whenever you get angry, you feel like I'm retreating from the situation. So in, so in, as like a preemptive strike, you say, I don't need you. Mm. Mm. So in that way, I would I wasn't used I wasn't used to dealing with a man who who had a who had a very high emotional intelligence. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't used to dealing with someone who could handle my emotions. And when I say handle, I just mean me being able to talk to him about, about how mm-hmm. I feel and mm-hmm. it being okay. Mm-hmm. I can literally tell him anything and it, I know everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where I got to live, and I'm still living in my soft girl era, mm. as they say. <laughs> you know, that, you know that, that promised land girl. that black women only dream of. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can tell him anything, and it can be okay. Mm. I remember, I, I remember us arguing, and he would just say, "I need some space. I need some space." And I would chase after him, be like, "No, you're not going nowhere," because it because it was also fear and, and triggering and triggering, and not and. And I used to be, and I used to always think, if I let him go now, he's never going to come back. Mm. Mm. That has a lot to do with abandonment issues, though. Yes. And I think I think many of us black women are dealing with abandonment issues mm-hmm. because if you came from a household where a you you didn't have a father figure around, yes. <laughs> strike one for me. Guess what? <laughs> you're that's something you're gonna fear. If you came from a household where, and and I'm this is where I come from, two parent household. But all you saw was the diminishing of the male character. Mm. That is something either you're going to repeat or you're going to do the opposite. Yep. And by by diminishing the male character, you mean like talking bad on him. And that's what I'm saying. Beating down on your man. Exactly. Like, like, (laughs) and I don't know for me, and I I, thank you. I appreciate you for bringing me into this world. If I, I... Get my street smarts from you. I I definitely get my mouth from you. (laughs) But 
seeing the relationship dynamic between my mother and father growing my 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 dad is Aquarius like me mm-hmm. two days before me February second he is a very um he's not meek but he's a very mild man like we say what we say when we say it mm-hmm. we do not like to argue with people because we don't know how to argue when I say it's not a literal we don't know how to argue it is a we confront a juggler and you're probably gonna go somewhere and just rethink your entire life it's a it, it's, it's a very <laughs> quick escalation exactly like we just we just we don't we don't hold no bars so I often watch you know my mom get very verbally, and I'm using this um, lightly, very verbally abusive towards my dad because, again, my dad was very respectful. Um, Growing up, my dad was very much into church. My mom was not into church. So my dad was, like, really practicing Christianity, so he, he would not sit up there and argue with her a lot. And I remember feeling like... Why don't he just say something back? Mm-hmm. You know? Why don't he just like take up for himself? And I remember that being the sole reason, A, that I didn't even want to be married. I did not want to be married. My parents' marriage survived 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my brothers, we all have the same dad. So for the most part, I came from a two-parent household for the majority of my life. When I got married, no matter how much my husband makes me upset at times. I pride on him being the king of my household. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know if it's the church in me. I was taught in church. You know, the oil flows from the head. And in order to be submissive to your 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 husband, your husband has to be submissive to God. And that's how it flows. It flows mm. from the head down. Um. And even though we're, like, not heavily in church anymore, that does not change our beliefs. Um, I, I just watched a lot of people. I, I had to check friends in the past as well. Um, the the emasculation of your male partner in front of me, you can't do nah, that. No, for real. I can't stand when women emas- I, emasculate their man. When I, I say it's triggering. It. It is triggering. Because why are you talking to him like that? Exactly. And then you talking to him like that in front of people. Like, I'm not going to high five you, sis. Right. No. You didn't. I'm not going to. I'm not you going to congratulate you exactly. on, doing, on doing your big one with your man. No. Like, I I just, I, I remember having to speak to a friend of mine. Like, yo, like, that's not cool, bro. If you want to have a conversation with him, tell me it's time to go. But I can't sit here and comfortably allow you. To talk to your man like that in front of me. A, my child with me. So what mm. you're not going to do is do that and make her feel like, oh, this is how you treat a man. My kids will never. Now, they've they've heard us get into arguments, but they will never be able to say, oh, my mom used to say this to my dad and say that to my dad and talk down to him. No, because like that's not the type of relationship that we have. Now, don't get me wrong, behind closed doors, I am still not, like, cursing him out. Like, does he make me mad? Absolutely. Like, I'm from New Jersey all day. Like, my voice gets a little deep when I get upset. He know that. He, he, but he also, we've all also got to know each other in the beginning and told each other our pet peeves. Mm -hmm. So, he knows, like, much like you, 
when we first got into the relationship, because I was such an independent person, um, he would tell me often, like, bro, like, I got you. I got you. I got you. However, I am also the type of person that once you have said that to me for so many times and then I let my guard down, you better still hold me up. Because mm-hmm. at the first sight that I don't feel like you got me. I need you to be solid. But if you... If, it's not it's not going to hold. If I step on that platform and you a little shake, well, now I ain't going to step on that listen, no more. Listen, listen, It is so bad. And I know, I know this is me being transparent. It's so bad that I just can't let go. Be like I don't even my my husband's a very strong man. He built houses. Mm-hmm. Like he big. Anybody know he big? My trust issues around safe spaces is so bad. I don't even let him pick me up. No, no, don't do it. And I know he can. <laughs> I know he can. But that's just a fear of mine because I since teenage years have never been in a space where I ever felt safe to let my guard down because I always had to make sure I was good. And in turn, I had to make sure my brothers was good. And in turn, I had to make sure my kids was good when I had kids. And so it's very hard for me to just diminish 20 years of independence to rely on another human being to create those safe spaces for me. So I commend you for being in your soft girl space because I'm I I want to be there so bad that I can I can feel it. But the years of trauma behind being celebrated for being so strong mm-hmm. has like this scary hold on me. Like I'm the strong friend. I'm the strong sibling. I am the strong mother. I am like I'm the strong everything. I honestly I'm an overachiever. I'm I'm Same all here. of that. So I don't know what it looks like to be a soft girl. But I also feel like because although I I do categorize myself as being in the soft girl era, but I'm also a hard worker. Mm-hmm. I can never not be mm-hmm. that. So I think I think it's also on you to to figure out what what does being in, in your soft girl era mean for you? Mm-hmm. For me, it means being able to feel my emotions mm. and not be crucified for mm. them. I can have my attitude. I can yell. I can scream. I can, most importantly, I can cry mm. whenever I need to. Mm. I won't be labeled as depressed. Mm. Although that, that often that oftentimes can be what it is. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to cry. Mm-hmm. It's a sad situation. You haven't cried in a minute. You're mm-hmm. stressed out. I can be all of those things and that that not be counted against me. You're right. I can have attitude without yeah. without being categorized as the girl with an attitude. Like mm-hmm. like like not, not I remember walking into a space one day and I literally I was having a good day. I walked in it and because I didn't have the facial expression that that person wanted, <laughs> he said, "Oh, hey, Miss Attitude." Mm. And that instantly triggered me because I was like, "What did I do?" That part what did I do but walk into a space being me and then even that wasn't enough? Mm. I have mm. to not only come into a space all, I, 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 
I have to come into a space all smiling and cheesy. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all. Hey, this. Hey, that. In order to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So me being, being in my soft era, it means feeling my emotions. Mm-hmm. I like I like that you said that, and I guess I do have to do some homework on myself. Look, y'all, I know I told y'all I'm a social worker, but I'm really good at fixing other people, but I don't be fixing myself <laughs> sometimes. Um, but I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because I guess that is on me to de- define what I would like my soft girl era to be. Um, because, I, like... When I made up my mind, I want to say it was like around October of 22. I'm like, you know, I'm just tired of just being everything for everybody. Like, I want my soft girl era. I began to get frustrated because I was kind of like verbalizing to like friends, verbalizing to my husband. Like, okay, so this is what I'm tired of doing. Just red alert. And maybe I just need to be, like, more clear and concise. Like, even with friends, I'm like, you know, tired of being a strong friend. Can you check in on me sometimes? Mm -hmm. And then, like, it never happens. So I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Then, like, even in my relationships at home, like, my family hates it. But I always be like, oh, this is my selfish year. Even though, like, last year was supposed to be my selfish year. (laughs) Um, It didn't really work out that much. But, like... To me, my soft girl era, I guess I'm looking for, is to be a little selfish. Like, Mm. I have always been in this particular helping profession. For the last 37 years, I have literally done things for other people. I'm going to subtract some years because I did not do anything for anybody under the age of 10. But (laughs) uh, So the last 27 years, um, I have done things for others. And I think I just want my soft girl era to be an era in which I focus on me. I do things that I want to do, and I don't have to make as many sacrifices as I have done. Mm -hmm. I will say, like, 2020 and 2021 was very hard for me. Um, Again, always being that strong individual, that strong black woman. Um, I was always there for, like, the families of kids that I mentored. Always there for, like, coworkers. Always there for friends. And I think what did it to me was losing my one mentee that um, lost her life due to gun violence. Um, for I'm me... Sorry. Sorry for loss. I, I Thank you. I think that was the point where I recognized that I couldn't have everything in control Um, because I could not control that outcome. And then I went into this whirlwind of I should have called her more. I should have talked to her more. I should have, yeah, it was COVID, but I should have went to see her. And mind you, I talked to her very often, um, but COVID happened, so schools were shut down and stuff. And then I fell into like a deep depression because I felt like, This is the one I let get away. So that depression for me looked like not getting out of bed, overworking, um, having a shorter fuse, um, being a little messy because I felt like I am in this industry to save kids and y'all blocking that from me. 
I am in that industry of making sure that I can save the next one and y'all blocking that from me. I found myself at work where instances were happening that was like messing up the safety of the kids. Like I remember breaking down crying in my principal's office because I had warned them of some unsafe things that was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And I remember in my head, and and me and that principal had a really good relationship, very good relationship. Not that I felt like he was looking at me like that, but my immediate supervisor, a white woman, um, I had broke down crying. And the look of confusion on her face to me, the whole time I'm in my head talking to myself like, you don't let them see how weak you are. That you don't part. let them see how weak you are. Mm-hmm. How dare you be in these people's office crying? Yes. That's the feeling that I don't like feeling. Like, oh, the sharks, are, oh, exactly. ooh, they smell blood in the water. They're they about to attack. They're about to attack me. And that's why the angry black woman stereotype sometimes feels a little better than the weak black woman. Mm. Mm. Because yes. you don't deserve to see me in that vulnerable state. And going and going and going to your point because I've definitely said a few times, I'd rather be the one that you're afraid of than the one that you never play with. That part, and I think that's where things get twisted, where people don't realize. And I think MJ, you said this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Like we got to stop living in survival mode. Yeah, and that is a form of survival mode. That is a form of us fighting to be seen, but not wanting to be seen in a way that we will be diminished. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and also, like, refusing, in a way, refusing people the opportunity to show up for that, for us. Listen. Because I've definitely, like I'm, like, I'm independent as well, which means I don't. I don't ask people for anything mm. because if I, I felt like if I do ask for something and they don't come through on it, You're then it's my fault for mm. even asking. The disappointed that they made me feel, that's my fault. Because mm-hmm. how dare you rely on somebody else mm-hmm. when you've been, you've been counting on you all your life. But one of the things my, my partner has taught me in, in us being together is you especially dealing with people who who are supposed to love you mm-hmm. through thick and thin, you have every right to ask for what you need. Mm. You have every right to ask. Mm-hmm. A lot of times all you need to, all you should have to, to do is ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is on them if they show up or not. Mm. He said, all you need to do is ask me and or tell me what you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I will follow through on it. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't, I'll do the best I can to try to make sure you have what you need. Because mm-hmm. because you, your partner, they, they they can be the best thing since sliced bread, but your mm-hmm. partner can't it, they can't be everything for you whenever you need it. They can't it's it's just not possible. You're right. I definitely had to trend check myself on that because a lot of times I feel like 
who we've been rocking for 12 years. We've been married for 10. I should not have to tell you what I need. That's just me. That's just in my head. And I have to get out of that mindset because as much as you know me, that doesn't mean you know what I need at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think like all in all, black women, if you're out there listening, I think we have to get comfortable with defining those uh, safe spaces for ourselves and then being able to communicate with our partners, with our friends, with our workspaces, what we need in a situation, what we need at the moment, and allowing people to either show up or not show up. And if they don't show up, for instance, in your workspace, maybe that ain't the workspace for you. Mm-hmm. If they don't show up, maybe in your relationships, maybe that's something that you need to further look into, into counseling or uh, a better conversation going in depth. But just never, ever, ever surrender to any stereotype, and in particular, this stereotype of being an angry black woman. I just think we have to feel comfortable with being vulnerable again. And I see it. Like, I I'm, I see y'all out there on the TikToks, in your soft girl era, smiling more, mm-hmm. being more loving, Um and we love that for you. Listen, we got we got to break those generational curses. You know. we, we are not our parents. Mm-hmm. We are not our grandparents. And I and I, I and I love how we, as a generation, have just decided to break these generational Listen. curses. I love that for us. Listen. I, I love seeing it because going through what I went through when I when I travel here because I talked about it in the first episode. It's a hell of a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Breaking out of those bad habits, those mm-hmm. toxic habits, mm-hmm. it is a hell of a lot harder. Mm-hmm. It is a day-to-day struggle. Yeah. It's stressful. But at the end of it, you are grateful for having done it. Yes. And I think that's where social media is putting us at. And as much as we want to hate it, I truly feel like social media is adding some type of therapeutic value to our lives because it's more like we're able to see that we're not the only people going through this. Mm -hmm. We're able to see we're not the only people that was told growing up this is a norm or showed that this was a norm. So on that note, we love y'all for tuning in today. Hopefully we were able to um, hit some nerves Uh, But again, to our lovely, lovely, lovely black girls all over the world, do not feel bad for communicating what you need in your safe spaces. Create, relate, and breathe. And And to end this off, do not trade your authenticity for Mm. approval. Mm. Free yourself. Free yourself. And that's cultured or whatever. We'll see y'all next time. See ya.